see everybody back after thinking about the message this morning. I thought, well, that was the going like going to church at the NFC, the No Fun Church. Tune in, and all he did what did was holler at us and tell us things are going to get worse. So uh, turn your Bibles tonight to uh, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Just a couple of updates. I know that mainly the reason Pastor likes me to come out here is because I tell stories on myself. So, okay, here's, here's one to cheer you up just a little bit. <clears throat> of course, barber shops have been shut down, which I can tell by a couple of you, except for some of you cut all your hair off and don't have that much left over. So, <clears throat> Harmony, granddaughter who just got married, has been cutting my hair. She's been practicing and everything, and so... But the closer she got to the wedding, the more tight she was wound and thought, I really, <laughs> I really don't want to go to her for a haircut because I'm not sure what I'm going to end up with. And so Jeremy says, well, Dad, I'll cut it. And I said, okay, I want a haircut like, uh, I want a haircut like Clayton because he and I are peas out of the same pod. And he said, no, he says, Clayton's got hair. You're, yours, uh, Corbin's got hair. Yours and Clayton is kind of thin. I need to cut yours like Clayton's. And I said, okay. He said, well, what do, you, what do you want? And I said, well, I want it really short on the, on the sides and in the back and then a little bit longer on the top, but takes them off the top. I said, I've got no place to go till the last weekend of August. And I wasn't thinking about the, uh, wasn't thinking about the, uh, the wedding and everything, but it's not that big a deal because it focuses on them. Well, he buzzed it down. I mean, it was, it was John Dunbar tight on the sides. <laughs> And I said, uh, wow, not only is it short, I said, there's no hair in the back up here. He said, well, I know. He said, Dad, it's because this part right here has a tendency to stick up, so if I just cut it all off, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> well, he cut a little bit short on the top also, and Cheryl said, and it, you know, I normally just comb it and put a little bit of groom and clean or something like that on it. Well, it, wouldn't, it wasn't laying flat. So Cheryl says, well, put some hairspray on it or get some, get some gel. Put some gel in it. Well, I don't like that stuff because your hair gets all stiff. But uh, I had to go out and do something, and I didn't want my hair flying all over. So I, I put some gel in my hair and uh, went and did my uh, thing at the doctor's office and everything. And I had another meeting I had to go to. Well, I come back, and I'm thinking, I, I got a bunch of sticks. I, need, I should burn up the sticks. Uh, we're going to have family here. We'll do, uh, we'll do roast some marshmallows and, and uh, have some mores and all that. So I've got this pile of sticks in the fire pit, so I go get the, uh, the lighter fluid, charcoal lighter fluid, and, and uh, squirt that all over and give it a healthy dose. Pick up some more, squirt it in there. we got a good healthy dose. But it's not gas. I've learned my lesson from starting a fire with gas. And... Uh, so I read on the, I never read the container, but for whatever reason today, I read the container. It says, well, let it set for a little bit. And so I walked off, put it back in the garage, came back out, grabbed the fire stick, bent down, lit the fire, and it was kind of going. So I thought, well, I'll come over to the other side, lit the fire here. By this time, this side is going. A wind comes up, blows it all up, and it burned all the hair off the front of my head, which... <laughs> If you see me before I get out of church, you'll see these little tiny hairs about that long that are just now starting to curl out. <laughs> I was glad I had my glasses on because I didn't realize what I'd done. I just smelled burned hair. So I'm looking at my hands because I usually burn all the hair off my hands in the fire. Well, that, that all looked okay. <laughs> What's that smell? Whack, 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 whack. Anyway. But I don't mess with gas anymore. I, I learned my, learned my, my mom, this was back when my mom and uh, Cheryl's mom were still alive, and they'd, they'd come over, and, and uh, we were having some kind of a, some kind of a get-together, whatever. Well, I had a trash, kind of a trash pile at the end of the garden, and so I thought, well, I'll light that and just get that all burned up. Don't think anything through. So I took the gas... <laughs> poured it all over, and uh, I had matches. I've learned use a fire stick. Had matches, so I'm down there and I'm going, and it go out, go out, went, and all of a sudden goes whoosh, <laughs> just like that. Burned my eyelashes off, burned my eyebrows off, burned the front of my hair off, and it was the first time Cheryl's mom ever felt sorry for me. <laughs> True story. <laughs> 
Is he okay? He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I'm not going to have you stand tonight. In Luke chapter 22, things, uh, things are laid out here kind of in an order. It's not in the precise order that it actually took place, but I, we're going to kind of just use it in the order that it lays. In a, beginning here in chapter 22, Judas goes and he betrays Jesus. Then down in verse 7 and following, they're making preparation for the Passover. So Jesus says, you know, go get the, go get the room ready and everything. We're all going to go up there and eat. Along comes uh, verse 14 through 18. They're going to actually do the Passover. And that's where he actually begins to institute the, uh, the Lord's Supper, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it them, saying... This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, verse 20, likewise also the cup after the supper, uh, saying this is the cup that is New Testament in my blood and is shed for you. Then he announces, okay, I'm going to be betrayed. I've been telling you, telling you this for the last few times we've been together, but I'm going to repeat it. Time is of essence. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. So he announces to them again the betrayal. Verse 21. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth, uh, as it was determined. But woe unto the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them was uh, it was that should do the thing? And you've seen the you've seen the painting where they're leaning on the leaning on their elbow, and Jesus is in the center of the table. I don't think that's the way it really looked. Generally, they were not sitting at a table. There'd be a table there, but they were usually reclining, either sitting or laying, kind of laying on some pillows and just eating off of the uh, off of the table and things like that, using their using their fingers, but it's, it's a good picture that kind of gives us uh, some idea of the way things were. But at that point, they begin to wonder, well, who is this that, that uh, is betraying Jesus? If we, if we uh, looked at some other passages, they misunderstood what was being taken place. They, you know, he, he dips the sop into, into the cup and everything, and they just think that Judas is going off on, a, a, on an errand or something uh, along that line. But in this passage of Scripture, like I said, not laid out in the way that it actually takes place, I found it rather interesting. Verse 23 again, And they began to inquire among themselves which, uh, which of them it was that should do this thing. Look at what takes place in, in this passage right after that. And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. He just instituted the Passover. Just, they just did the Passover. He just instituted the, uh, the communion service where this is my body that's going to be brought. This is, the, this is the cup that's matching my blood, which is going to be shed. And you guys are arguing about who's going to be the greatest? You ever been with, around somebody who doesn't seem to always get it? You know, it just, and, and that's my impression as I, as I read through this the other day. And there was also strife among them of which of them should be accounted the great. He had to have been sitting there saying, I don't know why I even try to tell these people anything. They, they are just, they're not paying attention. And he said unto them, the, king of the kings of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them and they exercise authority upon them, uh, are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. He tries to refocus them. Ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, as he that serveth. For whither is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth? Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I say among you is as he that serveth. So you try to get them, get them to refocus. The, don't be focused on who's going to be first, who's going to be the greatest, who gets the best seat, who gets the biggest portion. It's not me first, me first, me first. It's you. We're supposed to be servants. I'm about to leave. I'm about to go through a very horrendous thing, and you guys are next in line to take over, and you need to get this. You need to become servants, not worried about being the greatest. So how long it took for that to register, I'm not really sure. Verse 28. Yea, are they, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, 
that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. As they're sitting there arguing over who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the best, who's going to get to sit where and everything else, he says, look, 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 stop, stop. You're supposed to be servants. We are here to serve one another. It, it's during this time that he's also got down and washed their feet and everything to give them, give them an example, which we don't practice in church. But then he says, but coming, not only servants here, but coming ahead, you're going to be sitting with me in the kingdom, and you're going to be judging over the 12, judging over the 12 tribes. There, there's coming a day where you will have an elevated position. There's coming a day when you will, will be sitting with me and we will have great responsibility and we will have a great leadership and everything. And then we get to verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have, to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The title of the message tonight is, I have prayed for thee. Father, I ask in these next few minutes that we're gathered here together, to help my mind to stay focused and uh, to be able to get the point across, basically one simple point across that uh, is the main part of the message. Lord, help us to, uh, to love you. Help We thank you for the openness that we have here at the church, being able to meet together. Lord, may this be a launching point even as we talked about uh, this morning in that we've got the time. We, we've got, we need to put forth the effort to be the lights, to be the beacons, to be the Christians, to have the faith that you would have us to have, that we, would, that we want to have but we struggle with, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes only on a weekly, weekly basis. Lord, help us to be the men and women of God that would please you in the things that we do. In Christ's name I pray. <clears throat> so here in, this, here in this passage, the Lord says, Simon, Simon, when you, when you call your children, you, you uh, do it several, several different ways. Alan and Jeremy, that, that, that was always the call. Uh, they always knew. All the kids would turn, would turn around whenever I did that. But today, they, they're not mocking, but they still imitate me calling the boys when I'd go into the gym or I'd go outside after church to get them to call. Uh, sometimes if they were doing something wrong, you just beller out their name. Or you will use their middle name. You know you're in trouble when mom and dad use your middle name also. And uh, so I've often wondered, as I've read through these passages of Scripture, how did he state this when he says, Simon, Simon? Did he say, Simon, Simon? You know, trying to get his attention, or Simon, Simon. How do, I'm not sure how he said his name. But it's an interesting thing here. He, he calls his name twice. There's only eight times in the Bible where you find somebody's name called twice. In each one of those instances, it's to get them to pay attention, to focus on what is about to be said. Something very big is about to take place. In each occasion, it was immediately elevated to one of great biblical importance to that person and those that we're going to be following. And it becomes a key turning point in each person's life. The first time we find it in the Bible is uh, Abraham. Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter 12. It's uh, when he is, he's got Isaac down and he's about to plunge the knife that he calls out Abraham. Abraham. Well, at that point, he makes a covenant with uh, Abraham to become the father of faith. He says, thy seed will be blessed and all nations of the earth shall be blessed by thy seed. In uh, the second time we find it in Genesis 35, uh, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. And then in, uh, oh, my thing just popped here. Uh, then in chapter 46, he says, Israel, Israel, and catches his attention. He says, it's okay to go into Egypt. He says, it's okay to go down there. And when you go down there, I'm going to bring you back out as a great nation. 
life-changing thing, life-changing event, not only for uh, Jacob, Israel, to go down at that time. He was a very aged man when he went, when he went down, but he says, basically, remember what I told Abraham? Well, I'm going to start using you to expand out this whole thing. Next time we come across a double name is Moses. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, he lets Moses know that he is going to become the nation of Israel's deliverer, and he's also going to be the lawgiver. I'm going to speak directly to you. You're going to put the law down, and we're going to give it to the people. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's Samuel. Samuel. Samuel ends up becoming God's prophet, and uh, he's going to be the judge. It's the first time that a judge, uh, a judge is actually established. He becomes the nation's priest, and he's the one that anoints the kings. The next time we find a double name is not until we get to the New Testament. It's Martha, Martha. And this time I think he probably, he probably says, Martha, Martha. She's coming. She's complained about Mary's. Mary's in there. She's, she's uh, talking away and sitting at, uh, at the feet of Jesus and everything. Martha, Martha. Mary had chosen the best part. What's the big deal about that? Well, up until this point, all the teaching has been by the rabbi, and it's only been taught to men. Jesus is saying, no, my words, my gospel, my plan, my teaching, it's for everybody. It's not just for the men, it's for the women too. When, and we've talked about this, a pastor probably mentions it every once in a while. Christianity is the only, and I almost hate to say the word religion, but it, in a way it is, is the only thing that lifts women up and gives them an elevated position. All the other, all the other religions of the world put women down. And so he's, when he calls Martha, Martha, there's a big change about to take place. Mary had chosen the best part here. And then the last time we find the double name, of course, is Saul in Acts chapter 9, when he calls Saul, Saul, why, uh, why dost thou kick against the pricks? And uh, he lets Saul know that he's going to give the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles, to kings, to the sons of Israel. Saul ends up preaching. Saul becomes Paul. He preaches in 28 cities. He writes 12 books of the Bible. And in those 12 books of the Bible, he uses the word and talks about the gospel 69 times. So when you hear your name called, it's to get you to pay attention. When God calls your name twice, something major is about to take place in that person's life and in the history of uh, the nation of Israel or uh, going on from there. So back here, at, uh, back here at verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, pay attention. I called your name twice, but then he says, behold, pay attention. Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as, as wheat. Satan's desire, Zechariah 3.1, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. People that really don't know the Bible, really don't understand Christianity, when they hear us talk about that, you guys are crazy. Satan's not out to get you. Okay, he may not be out to specifically get Larry Ingalls, but he's out to stop the believers. He's out to hinder us. And uh, he's, got his, he's got his fallen angels. Uh, I don't know pure speculation. When we get saved, do we get each get assigned a fallen angel to follow us in her wrath? I, I don't know. I'm not going to wander down that road too, uh, too far. You want to talk about it later, we can, we can talk about it. But for the most part, the devil himself is not going to show up at our church or at your house or be the one to give you all kind of grief, but he has ways to do that. He has way, and we need, to, we need to be alert to that, and we need to acknowledge that and take the spiritual aspect of things serious. 
Far too many times uh, we just don't. Revelation 12.10 And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. His desire is to see us stumble. His desire is to keep people from getting saved, but after, after we get saved, his desire is to devour us. His desire is to stop us. His desire is to hinder us. Now, I'm not going to be one of those that blames the devil for everything. I, I know a couple people, I know personally a couple people do, that every time something goes wrong, man, well, the devil's really fighting today. No, it was your poor planning. <laughs> it was not the devil. Oh, I got a flat tire on my way to church. The devil's trying to hit it. Well, maybe not. I looked at your tires and there's no tread. Uh, <laughs> there's a balance there, okay? There is a balance. But his, his desire is to hinder us and to, uh, and to stop us. So then we come down, we come back here to uh, Lord, Lord, or Simon. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. Uh, pretty much, I'm thinking everybody in here at some point has sifted something. The first, my first memory of sifting something was going to my grandma's house. Uh, we went up to my grandparents' farm every other weekend, virtually every year of my first 16 years of life. And grandma loved making pies because I loved eating them. She made pies. Uh, we had chicken and some kind of pie every Sunday. And then she also knew that I, I liked these, uh, I, I just call them donuts. They're, they're basically like jelly-filled donuts. Only she would put all kinds of fruit in. Well, she would make me work for it. And so my job was to sift the flour, you pour it in there. Now, pretty much all our flour is sifted today. As far as I know, you just scoop it out of the bag and throw it in there. But every once in a while, you'll have to sift the flour. Uh, us men have sifted gravel or sand or different things. Uh, if you ever go hunting for uh, gems or jewels or gold, you're going to get some kind of a, a sifter where you're going to sift through the dirt and all that. So we've all at least know what sifting is. If you're in the pan, if you're in the sifter, it's not a comfortable thing. Getting shaken around as, as, as uh, he's trying to get rid of the bad stuff and, and keep, the, keep the good stuff. So being sifted was not, a, was not an easy thing to separate, to part, to examine minutely uh, or critically. But then we finally get to uh, verse 32. But I, but I have prayed for thee. But he doesn't just stop there. He, that thy faith fail not when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He says, You're going to go through a difficult time. Uh, Satan's out to get you. He's going to. Satan, how much Satan knows ahead of time, I'm not really sure. But obviously, he was able to realize that Peter was going to be some kind of a major leader, and Christ knew it. And so, Satan's going he's, he's gonna to be out to, to get you, just like he was with Paul. And uh, he's going to try and stop you. He's going to give you all kinds of grief. But Peter, I want you to know, when the difficult times come, I want you to know, I have prayed for thee. I, I the King of kings, the Lord of glory, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Here in Luke 22, verse, uh, beginning in verse 20. Uh, for, oh, I already, I already covered that. Uh, they get into the discussion about who's going to be the greatest. And it sits at just shortly after this that uh, Jesus singles out Simon by calling him by name twice and tells Peter that uh, he will eventually deny the Lord, but that he will strengthen also other believers afterward. Uh, look at the verse again. But I have prayed for thee that thou fail, thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted... When there's a change that has taken place, strengthen thy brethren. So you're going to be uh, involved in making the others stronger and encouraging them along. Then we have failure alert, failure alert. Beep, 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 beep. Big failure here. What happens right after this? Look at verse 60. And Peter said, man, I know, what, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. He, 
He's just, we, we skipped over the whole passage of Scripture, but Peter's denied Christ three times, just in a short period of time. Literally, in the Bible, it's just a few verses. Literally, in time, it was probably 12 hours or less. Failure alert, failure alert. You ever had a failure alert in your life? This week, last week, today? <laughs> Man, I know not what thou sayest. Immediately, and immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The thing that I find interesting is what takes place after that. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He's in the midst of being abused and accused. And he hears the cock crow. And all he had to do was to turn around and just look at him. Didn't have to call his name out even one time, much less twice. He just looked at him. Remember those times when your mom or your dad or somebody that you really looked up to or respected, maybe your husband, a wife, they just turn around when you have said or done something and just look at you and you know, man, I just, I just blew it. I just blew it big time. The look. Mom and dad, grandparents, we should to a certain extent, as the children get older, be able to control them or to get their attention with just a look. There comes a time where you have to call their name. You have to call first and last name. And if they're really in trouble, you use their whole name. <laughs> Jeremy. Anyway, I'm not going to. Anyway. Uh, uh, snap your fingers. Uh, oh, Cheryl, Cheryl used to get nuts, so we'll go nuts when I do that. Don't you snap your fingers? <laughs> but eventually, we should be able to get to the place with our children, and I am at the place now with all of our grandchildren except for Kingsley, who is only two, that all I have to do is look at them. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference how old they are or how young they are. All I have to do is look at them and just go with a smile on my face, and they, they realize, okay, I probably shouldn't have said that, probably shouldn't have done that. Sometimes getting the look is worse than having your name called. That look of disappointment that Peter saw on the Lord's face. How, how could he... How could I get to the place where in such a short time... He told me something was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to be now. I, I, I didn't think that I would actually find myself in this, this position to dis, disappoint him so greatly. But Peter does go on to uh, become a leader. Hold your finger here and go over to John chapter 20, uh, 21. He's not done. He's not done getting sifted, and he's not, uh, he's not done with his failure yet. Uh, some time has passed now, several days, and we pick up over here in John chapter 21 and in verse 3, and Peter, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Oh, the, the Lord's been raised, but Peter still, he's, he's not recovered from his denying the Lord. And I, so I'm not sure if he's dealing with frustration on his part. He's dealing with uh, great discouragement on his part. Great, the, I, I greatly disappointed the Lord. Uh, I will never be used. Uh, I'm a hopeless case. Uh, I, I can't, seem like I can't do anything right. Seem like every time I open my mouth, I mess something up. I, I don't know exactly what's going on, and the Bible doesn't really say. But at this point, even after the resurrection, even after he's seen the Lord, he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the life that I'm familiar with. I'm going back to what I knew. I'm going back to what I was comfortable with. They say unto him, we also go with thee. There's his leadership. But he's headed in the wrong direction. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus uh, stood on shore, but the disciples knew not that it was he. And then Jesus, then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now there were not, they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. 
Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's, fisher's coat on him, for he was naked. He was not naked naked. He was probably stripped down to a pair of shorts and a light shirt, or maybe he was just, depending upon how warm it was, he may, he may have been buried shit, but he wasn't naked naked. Okay. For he himself, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. I don't know what's taken, what took place up to that point, but the Lord shows up, calls out to him, says, "Put your net over on this side." They catch a multitude of fish and realize the Lord's back. They're still. He hasn't walked away and left us. We have walked away and left him, but he's not walked away and left us. And I don't know whether it came back to his mind or not. Peter, I prayed for thee, that your faith fail not. I don't know whether that comes back to his mind, some of the last words that he had heard the Lord speak to him or not. But all I know is there is a change that takes place in Peter's life from this point on. He finally makes the turn. He had the failure, he had the discouragement, he had the disappointment, but he gets converted. He gets changed. <clears throat> Our failures can also be converted, turned or changed, recentered, reset, refocused again on that which is important. It might be a spiritual refocusing that we need to have. It might be a refocusing, a getting a uh, converted on our, our turn on our family situation. Not being raised in a Christian home, not getting saved till 31. I had several, several times where I had to make some adjustments, make some changes. Uh, whether it be just in my marriage, uh, just help, uh, helping to raise the children. There were several times that I had to stop. And get reset and recentered. You may have had a failure in the past in your family. You may have had a failure in your finance. You may have had a failure in your priorities. But you can you can change it once you realize. Okay, something's not right here. Or here's here's what the problem is. Most of the time, if we get it early, it's reconcilable. If you let things go and go and go, you're going to end up so far in debt it's going to take you forever to get up. If you don't invest time in the children, you're going to be sitting there when they graduate from high school and said, where did the time go? I should have done something about this long time ago. It's a little bit late when they're a senior in high school to decide that you're going to start doing devotions with the children or start having a major influence in their life, getting them to church and talking about Bible things. And everything. Uh, by the time you end up having ruined your complete marriage then it's sometimes is it's not reconcilable you can't put it back when you recognize there has been a failure on your part take responsibility i know it's all my fault uh, that's, that's a statement that i just taught john uh, just before he and harmony got married i said just learn this phrase i know i'm the man it's all my fault. I said, that will go a long ways. So we kind of laugh and joke about it, but dad's the head of the home. A lot of it falls on our shoulders, on our responsibility. I, I'm not responsible for the way somebody reacts, but I'm, a, I'm responsible for the way I react to the way that they react. So we will all have, and have all had uh, reactions where we've had to reset, uh, hit that reset button several times throughout my life. I've watched others do the same also, many of them in their senior years, when they realize, whoo, time is short. I am 70, and uh, maybe I, I need to step something up here and, and get things changed. We go back there in, in Luke 22, verse 32. But I have prayed for thee. This is a verse I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just claiming part of the, the beginning part of the verse that uh, as I have struggled, I, I told you some of the struggles I've had in the last couple of weeks with having the right attitude and trying to, trying to keep things in balance and beating myself up over how, how could you be so weak, weak in the faith? How, how can you just give in and get so frustrated and allow the, the world, the flesh, and the devil to, to just get you down? 
But he says here, I have prayed for thee. Hold your finger here and turn over to John 17. I've used this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. In John chapter 17, uh, it's what I actually call the Lord's Prayer. It's not our Father which art in heaven, Lord's Prayer, but it's, it's the, the prayer that the Lord prays for the disciples uh, as he's getting ready to send them off and as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And then uh, he goes on and he also, uh, he also uh, prays for us. We pick up in verse 9, I pray for them and I pray not for the world, but I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am... Uh, and I am glorified in them, and now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are, that there might be unity, that, uh, that, they, that they might be able to work together, striving together. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast given me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. Now come I to thee. It's almost hard for me to picture the Lord himself going to the Father and saying, I'm coming to you. He has the ability. He is God in the flesh, and yet he even realizes he needed to go to the Father. And now I am come, uh, now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word, and thy word hath, uh, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. So he's praying all along to the Father, begging and pleading, as it were, that the Lord, the Father, the Holy Spirit would watch over, protect them, give them wisdom, uh, keep them unified. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through, their, through, the, through the truth. And here's the verse I've got underlined highlighted, circled, and marked in my Bible. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. He prayed for us. He prayed for us, clear back before he ever went to the cross. He didn't call out our name. Dave, Dave, Debbie, Debbie, John, John, Joy. <laughs> But he prayed for us. He knew the work that they were going to do. He knew the struggles they were going to face. But he, he prays for us because they are the ones that are going to pen down the testimony. Pen down his words. Pen down his deeds that he did. He's going to give them assignments that they're going to fulfill. And it's all going to be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Just as he told Abraham, clear back there, the first time he said, Abraham, Abraham, don't do that. I'm going to make a covenant with you that your seed's going to be blessed and the seed of the whole world, the whole world's going to be blessed because of your seed. It goes all the way back to Genesis. That, uh, but he prays for us. When you're having a difficult time, stop. It's always a good thing to pray, but to stop and remember, he's praying. Let me give you some, let me give you some uh, verses here. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You ever been there? where you're praying about something and you're just, you're heartbroken, you're heavy or whatever, and you just run out of words. He interprets that. He knows what those groanings and utterances, what they, what they mean. He, he puts that uh, in the words for the, for the Father. Romans uh, verse 27, 827. He, uh, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 34. 
Who is he that is condemned? Uh, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that it is Christ that died, ye rather that is risen, who is at the right hand of the of God, who also maketh intercession for us. The Holy Spirit's making intercession for us. Uh, Jesus is making intercession for us. Hebrews 7:25. Wherefore he, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's up there praying continually. I thought about asking the question, who's the best, we, we, all, we all know somebody, who's one of the best preachers you've ever heard? Who's one of the best cooks that you know? And we could just go down the list. Who's the best prayer do you know? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. That is his full-time ministry. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't think he's actually the one building it all. I think he's up there praying for us, just like the, just like the scripture says here. Question. Are we listening and paying attention to God's voice so as to hear his voice when he speaks to us? Has he called out your name twice? Dan! Dan! And if so, how does he want you to respond? What is it he's wanting you to do? Everybody sitting in here has got something that the Lord would have you to do. I don't care whether you're the youngest one in here or the oldest one in here. There's something that we're still here. He's left us here to this point. There's something that he wants us to do other than just, as Pastor King says, bebop down through life at 98.6. He's got something for us to be doing. What is it that he wants you to do? Uh, we have a family in the church uh, of about five or six years ago, we decided instead of having vacation Bible school to the church where we just continue to get mainly our kids and a, a few from the other churches, let's, let's take VBS to the park. So we've got uh, three parks in Oshkosh and we've got one in Amro. So we broke up into groups and we took vacation Bible school to the park for three days, Wednesday through, uh, Wednesday through Saturday. And we put, we had, uh, each place had a puppet show. Uh, it had a Bible story lesson. It had the, it had the drawings and all that. And at the end of it, uh, when people came in to sit down, uh, we'd have them fill out their name. And uh, if they were under the age of, I think it was 16, they could put their, put their name or have their mom put their name on a, on a thing. And it was going to go in and we were going to have a drawing and we were going to give away three bicycles. Well, it wasn't about the bicycles. It was about getting the gospel out to not just the children, but the moms that came over to see what was going on with the children. Well, we did that two years in a row. And uh, one of the families in the church who really was not participating in anything, they said, Pastor, this, that was kind of fun. Can we do vacation Bible school in uh, the one, we call it the boat park, uh, in the boat park this year? We, we want to do it ourselves. <coughs> Pastor said, hey, have at it. Is it okay if we, on our own, we get a bounce house, and we set it up every Saturday for six weeks in a row. He said, well, there's been some problems with, uh, with a bounce house where few people have been injured or they, you know, got wind caught it or whatever, and they said, look, we will be responsible for it. Every year for the last three years now, and they're already talking about the, what, what they're going to do this year as far as, hey, this is what our family does. It, it's mom and dad. Uh, the children, I wasn't really too sure about them. The children were very quiet, so it was really hard to read them where, where they are. Uh, the oldest boy is a junior in high school now, and he has blossomed because of this. Uh, on New Year's Eve, we have, uh, we have our preacher boys. We usually have about six or seven preacher boys. They bring a, a, a five to seven minute challenge. This young man, which I wasn't too sure where he was spiritually in his life, preached one of the best messages, one of the best five-minute messages I've ever heard in my life. God has gotten a hold of his heart because mom and dad got concerned about the children in the, in the park, about getting the gospel out to them. I don't know whether they actually heard their name called twice, but they said, what can we do? We'll be responsible for 
VBS over at the boat, boat park. Uh, John Green, uh, Pastor and Debbie know John Green. He's, uh, he's in a wheelchair. He's basically incapacitated. I forgot what it is that, uh, what, that John has. Uh, He's just barely able to feed himself. He, he's really this. He has a computer. He puts a stick or a pencil in his mouth and he types out letters of greetings, of thank yous, and gives them the gospel to veterans. John was a cook when he was in the army before his health failed. So he says, he says, I can't do much. I'm stuck in this wheelchair. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going to be up in the choir. I'm not going to be an usher. I'm not going to take part in vacation Bible school. I'm not going to Puerto Rico with any of the kids or anything like that. But he says, I've got a stick and a computer. I can write a letter. So uh, I'd say he probably sends out and I'll have to check with John, but I think he sends out three letters a day, some of them to f veterans that are, are out, some of them that are Vietnam era, and some of them that are just coming back from being in service. That's John's ministry. Uh, we have several dads in the last six months that said, you know what, I need to start doing family devotions with my family. I need, I need to be the teacher of my children, not just kind of let it slide, not just hit and miss, not just look at a Bible verse. I need to sit down and start doing devotions with my, with my children. We have Serena Camps. I, Joy might know Serena. I don't know if she was on the trip with us. Serena decided she's, uh, Serena is probably 24 right now. Mr. Wonderful's not showing up. And uh, so she says, I'm going to get my pilot's license. That's not like fun. If I get a pilot's license, we've got all these, uh, all these guys that have got airplanes over in Cameroon. I can go over there and I can take vacation time and maybe they'll let me fly one of their planes over there if I, if I get uh, qualified. Serena is now, she's working for EAA, if you're familiar with that, and uh, she flies all over the United States. She has worked her way up the, <clears throat> the ladder uh, uh, the corporate ladder just because she got her pilot's license because she got concerned about missions so that Mr. Wonderful comes along hopefully he'll be a missionary interested in missions and she already has her license she doesn't have to wait for him to get his license so uh, we have uh, let me see what else did I put on Nathan Troster he's a pastor's son uh, Nathan uh, is I think he's 38, 39 his his Dad passes up here in New England someplace. I forgot where, uh, where it is. Uh, Nathan has just a little bit of trouble speaking. He, he stutters a little bit when he gets nervous and everything. And so he says, I'm never going to pastor. I, you know, I'm just not a public speaker or whatever. But uh, his dad got him worked, involved in, if you're the pastor's son and we got a, a new struggling church, you get to be the carpenter. You get to be the plumber. You get to be the electrician. Uh, he just joined uh, Eric Joss in our, uh, what's that, what's that, <laughs> what's our ministry? Master's Craftsman Ministry. He says, I've got all this down. He says, I don't speak great, but my hands work. And I know how to put together things. And so uh, he's got involved with Master's Craftsman. And, uh, and they just, they just surrendered. They just, uh, they've had, I think, three meetings and COVID hit. And so now he's sitting there and saying, I can't even go out on my meetings. Well, it just so happens we have several uh, widows in the church that need, uh, need some jobs done. There's Nathan. He's not even charging it. You pay for the materials, I'll do the work. We've got five teens that are going this year to Bible college. Uh, one of those teens... Uh, had applied, Caitlin Scherzer, who had applied to go to law school, they said, well, you're right out of high school, you probably need some more education. So Caitlin went to, uh, went to Bible, went to Fairhaven last year for, uh, for a whole year. Her dad said, well, just, just go for a year and then we'll, we'll go. So she applied and they said, well, you're accepted. You could come to school, uh, start going to law school. But God got a hold of her heart while she, last year when she was in uh, uh, when she was in Bible college, and she said, I really want to go another year. But how do I tell Dad, I'm not going to law school now. I will go to law school later, but right now I want to go back to Bible college. So anyway, that, that's Caitlin's, uh, Caitlin's situation, but she wants to be a lawyer. She says, even if I don't make a lawyer, I, I want to be, what's the, 
a what? Paralegal. I want to be a paralegal and eventually work myself up to becoming a lawyer. I want to be involved in being able to help churches and other believers with law time situations. Uh, we have Joe Zimmerman. He's uh, Joe and Megan got saved, separated, bad situation. Got saved. Lord put their marriage back together. Uh, Joe, they've been, they've been saved. Uh, they've been involved in doing our teen church uh, for uh, the last year. And Joe said, he's listening to pastor. He says, we need somebody involved in local politics. Joe's decided he's going into politics. He's, he's going he's gonna to start with the city council. What is it? We all have failures. We all have shortcomings. We've all messed up somewhere along the way. We've all heard our name called. We've seen the look of disappointment. But we can change it. We can, we can make the adjustment. We can get converted. We can go forward from here. We can do something with our life. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Show me. Call out my name. Give me some direction. 1 Samuel 3.10, And the Lord came, uh, came and stood and called as, uh, at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, Lord, for thy servant Heareth. Saul, Saul, Lord, what would thou have me to do? The point of the message is Jesus not only called out to them, he not only prayed for Simon Peter, he's praying for you. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's taken place in the past. He's in heaven praying for you. Well, Larry, you, don't, you, you just don't understand. I'm a mom locked up in lockdown with all these kids. The last thing I need is something else to do. He's praying for you. Just stop and say, Lord, I need some help today or I'm going to kill one of these kids. <laughs> that, 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 I didn't mean to say that <laughs> but you know what I mean anybody who's had whether you've had one child or you've got a boatload of kids you, you we've all had those days where oh just stop can we go outside and go to the park sorry park is closed we don't want you to get too much fresh air and sunshine anyway you may just need to stop and say lord i know that you're praying for me but i'm, I'm telling you i really need some help today he's praying for you he's praying for you. i have prayed for thee Father, I thank you this time you've given us to look at your word, Lord, to encourage us, to bring us to the place where we stop and realize how much you really do love us, how you really are involved in our life even though we don't see it always. Sometimes we can see the results of it when we look back. But Lord, would you continue to give us grace Give us strength, increase, help us to increase our faith, help us to be seriously committed to drawing close to you. And Lord, would you continue to use Freedom Baptist Church and our individual families here to be all the light, all the salt, all the joy, all the Christian that our families need, that our neighbors need, and that the community needs. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Pastor?